Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. According to the U.S. Surgeon General, around 20% of U.S. children suffer from a mental illness in a given year. Additionally, 5 million children in the U.S. are living with a serious mental illness that interferes with their daily life. So today, we're learning how to identify the warning signs of mental health issues in our children and how parents can help their kids throughout their life. Joining us to discuss this today are two mental health professionals at Valleywise Health. Dr. Alicia Silvestrini is a district medical group psychiatrist focusing on child and adolescent mental health. And Jose Luis Madera is a licensed professional counselor and clinical coordinator at Valleywise Health. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. How did the COVID-19 pandemic impact children's mental health? Part of that was I think that it was there's a, a element of like shared trauma that everybody had when everything shut down, right? And so there was a lot of you know, issues that kind of came from that. People weren't really sure what was going on, depending what children were, were hearing and how much their parents were disclosing in front of them. Their, pro their anxiety level probably were extremely elevated. Yes, and I think another thing that we saw was children with learning disabilities that depended on their school and services that they were receiving there all of a sudden having to stay at home. It was very difficult for some of them to continue those services like speech therapy and occupational therapy. Also children with ADHD that requires certain accommodations at school that were not available at home. Certainly uh, identified some conditions that did better at school around this. Were there children that actually were doing better at home through the pandemic than they would usually do at school? Yeah, Dr. Silvestri and I were talking about that earlier. You know, some kids that tend to be more introverted or perhaps were being bullied at school might have felt like a level of reprieve staying at home and not having to go to school physically. Um, I think that that was some there was that, but I think the extroverted children that probably enjoyed going to school or seeing their friends really struggled with that piece of being at home. You know, certainly we've identified as COVID-19 being our, one of our more acute stressors in our community and our environment now as a cause of individuals struggling with, you know, mental health conditions and really affecting mental health conditions. What are some of the other things that may affect our children's mental health? I think environmental is a big thing. You kind of mentioned that earlier, but I think one of the things that we see working out of FQHC clinics is that children that have chronic illness that have always had to go to the doctor and deal with a lot of medical concerns, that tends to affect their mental health because at some level they feel like they're broken or not normal. And so there's this continuously reminding that they're okay and that we're trying to you know, help them. I think also, um, as far as any psychosocial stresses at home, Children are very well aware of what's going on in the house. I think a lot of times parents don't realize that the kids are listening and are aware of like financial situations they've been going through. Um, especially during the pandemic, a lot of people lost their job. Right? And I think that added stress to the families and certainly to the kids who you know want to help out. I think also in our community, we see families that are undocumented, right, and are afraid of seeking services or seeking um, medical help, right? And the children also see that. What 
are some of the warning signs that we may recognize in our children that may be a signal to us that we need to seek out additional help and resources? I would say probably sudden behavioral changes, you know, a lot of crying, isolating. You know, the one thing I, I encourage parents to like tr trust their gut if they feel like their kid's different for some reason to kind of chime in, but also give them space. Because if you say something's wrong with you, but you're not telling me and you're going to tell me now, they're never going to tell you. So giving them that space, like I know there's something different. Let me know when you want to talk about it. Checking in on their schoolwork, if you see any changes in, in their grades. I think that's very telling. I think another thing to consider is also um, any changes in sleeping, right? I think that's something that parents need to be aware of. You know, one of the things we often think about in adults is, you know, other changes in interests and in, in activities, mm -hmm. you know, you know, and I wonder if that's the same in children's. Oftentimes, if I've seen one of my adult patients and they, they're telling me, oh, I'm really just not enjoying this as much as I used to, is that an underlying sign that I may be dealing with something such as depression or some other mood disorder around that? Same for children? Definitely. Yes, you can see, you know, kids that all of a sudden they, they stop wanting to participate in their extracurricular activities or stop wanting to hang out with friends. I think that can also be a sign that something might be going on there. Uh, I think it gives parents a clue of perhaps like bullying going on um, and it's something that they should look into. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about mental health in children and teens and what parents can do to help their children. Valleywise Health offers integrated behavioral health care at several locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started. We've talked a little bit about some of these signs. What are often the most common diagnoses or mental disorders that you both you know, may encounter in our child and adolescent population? Number one is anxiety, uh, whether it's separation anxiety, social anxiety, or just general anxiety disorder. You can also see depression as well as learning disabilities, ADHD, which is not a learning disability, but can, uh, can really affect children's development in you know, social settings as well as academics. Yeah, and the part with ADHD I'd mentioned is that a lot of parents get confused when we talk about depression and ADHD because the child's so energetic mm -hmm. that they can't imagine that they're depressed. But normally children with ADHD get told no a lot or that they're wrong or that they're bad and they're not mm -hmm. doing correctly. And so as that's part of their narrative, they start to think mm -hmm. that they're bad and then depression starts to hit. Certainly some challenging, you know, issues that you all, you know, we have to sort of unpack and sort out um, as we're evaluating this. So how do you come to make these various diagnoses and help identify what is the underlying, you know, issue that we should be our, focusing our treatment on? The best way to make a diagnosis is to do a comprehensive evaluation, and that requires either an evaluation by a professional mental health provider or a physician. Families sometimes can start with their primary care provider and they will refer them to us for further evaluation if needed. Uh, how we would do it is we definitely spend some time with a family gathering information. We also want to speak with the child or the adolescent and get their perspective on things. Something to mention is that a lot of times we want to meet with the child or the adolescent alone and parents can feel uncomfortable about that but what we know is that that can make the kid feel more comfortable in telling you things that perhaps they don't want their parent to know of course we always make 
this disclaimer of like, if you feel that you are a risk to yourself or others, or we're concerned about your personal safety, we need to speak to your parents about that. But we want to gather that piece from the child or the adolescent by themselves. We also use uh, scales, rating scales, because we can get a more um, objective measure of symptoms. And for that part, we involve the parent, the child, and the teachers. So really a, a comprehensive you know, battery of information yes. that you all work towards to help us yes. be able to do this. So as you make these diagnoses, what sort of treatments are available for our child and adolescents that may be struggling with some sort of uh, mental health condition? Therapies, uh, well, kind of what I, I do the most, but yeah, I would say therapy, uh, I think depending the age of the child and their cognitive ability, uh, they play therapy, Santray therapy is usually geared more for younger children. And I would say like the older they get, um, you know, typical talk therapy is something that we would do. There's also specialized therapies like EMDR and things like that, that might be done for focus, folks that are struggling with trauma. But I would say that, uh, and then obviously psychiatry, right? Yes. <laughs> um, I think as far as treatment, we talk to families about having these two branches, right? You have the therapy, which is crucial because this is what's gonna teach your child uh, the long-term coping skills they need to be successful. Right? Sometimes therapy is not enough and we need to add medications. And before we add any medication, we make sure that we have the correct diagnosis. And of course, you know, with children, um, we have this motto, which is go low and slow, which means we try to use the lowest, most effective dose and really um, monitor for any side effects they might have. I think parents really struggle with the idea of having to give their child a medication. And the way we approach it is like if your child had was diabetic, right, and needed insulin, you would do that for them, right? If they needed any, well, if they had any other medical condition, you would get them the medicine that they need. And sometimes this, these conditions, which are medical conditions, also, also need that treatment. So we try to you know, incorporate therapy and medication. Absolutely. It's good to find the balance, you mm -hmm. know, again, and, and, and certainly this. These are often, you know, very challenging issues for the children and for their parents to deal with. What happens if we ignore these problems? What, what can be some of the unintended outcomes that we may see in our children? I think it depends on the diagnosis, like Jose Luis mentioned before, children with ADHD that go undiagnosed and untreated can um, struggle with self-esteem. They can develop severe anxiety and depression because they feel like they're not enough. They feel like the bad kid that's always getting in trouble, that they're not smart. And uh, you know that can have really terrible outcomes. You know, someone with severe depression can feel that life is not worth living. And children, you know, their brain is not completely developed, so they can make more impulsive decisions. So I think if you, any mental or mental diagnosis or any, I think we, we worry about their long-term safety. Dr. Alicia Silvestrini and Jose Luis Madera are answering your top questions about children's mental health. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. I know we mentioned earlier that, you know, our primary care colleagues may be one of the great resources to get help for your children if you're concerned from this. Are there any other ways to engage services that may be able to assist in the care of our children? Well, I think 
uh, primary care. I know within ValleyWise we have fa- the family learning centers and we have like different programs that, you know, we often get referrals and in integrated behavioral health. So I think the bottom line, I think asking for help is the first thing, no matter who you ask. Hopefully it's someone that can direct you to the right person. But I think that in general, we we find that just um, putting it out there that that's a, a possible service and people eventually will come around depending on if their comfort level. So one of the terms we've used a little bit that I probably haven't explained very well is, and you just mentioned it again, is this integrated behavioral health model. Kind of explain that to me and how that is in beneficial to our patients, you know, especially in this age group. Yeah, so the integrated behavioral health model here at ValleyWise, we do both a, a consult type model and we provide direct services. So uh, typically the PCP will refer to integrated behavioral health. And once we get the referral, hopefully we can speak to that person while they're there. But if we're unable to, uh, we'll call them and follow up. And at that point, we'll do a consult where we'll discuss the reason for the referral. Uh, most of the time they know that there's a referral out there. Occasionally we, we find differently, but um, we discuss what kind of services they're looking for and we really try to work with them. So if it's something lower level that we could treat here in, with, in an integrated model, we definitely will. If they need uh, to see the psychiatry program, we'll refer there. And if they want just typical therapy, we'll work with them there. So I think it just really depends. And if they need a higher level of care, I think I mentioned earlier, like play therapy and sandra therapy, we have been referring those out just because there's such a, a niche type of therapy that it's really hard to do in an integrated model with, within 30 minutes and having all the tools to do it. So I think it just really depends the person. So we try to work with them individually. There's no right or wrong answer. We just try to get them help. You know, I think this is one of the unique things that we have within ValleyWise Health is really we're trying to make certain that we are, as a group of, you know, healthcare providers, caring for the whole person around this, both mental and physical health, and having these services that are able to be done, you know, within the care team, within the clinics themselves around that, really is trying to keep this cohesive in the best care of our patients, which is truly wonderful. How can we enlist the parents to help our children cope with some of these issues that they may be dealing with? I would encourage them to hold space for them, like, you know, offer help. Uh, Don't make it about them, obviously. I think that uh, as adults, we might have a problem of, like, hearing a problem and then trying to give solutions when it's Mm -hmm. not necessary. You know, maybe they just want to vent and tell you how obnoxious their teacher is and we don't need to tell them like oh you're going to be you're going to get older and never see that person again that's not what they need to hear in that moment so i think really not making it about us and i I think really meaning what you say as a parent so if you tell your child tell me whatever you want you i promise you won't get in trouble but then they tell you that they did something that you are not okay with and then they get grounded uh not necessarily going to work with trust right so if you're going to tell them that they're not going to get in trouble you better mean it. Yes, I think it's important to validate their feelings and their experiences and also for parents to acknowledge if, if they have, if they're also struggling or have struggled in the past with, um, with, for example, with depression or anxiety, it's important, I think, for parents, you know, considering the kid's age and, and how much information you want them to know, but I think letting them know, you know what, I know what it's like to feel anxious and I know what it, I can relate to what you're saying and I've asked for help in the past, and that brings me to also asking help for yourself. If you are a parent that's struggling with depression or anxiety or have a history of trauma, 
all those things can affect how you're parenting your child and how you can help them, right? So it's important to also take care of yourself and seek the help that you need um, so you can, you know, be a good role model for them. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think that actually leads me into one of my next questions is this, how can a parent engage their child? And what I mean by that is, uh, what questions should we be asking our children and how often should we be, you know, assessing this or, or, or interacting on this level to try to understand if there may be some underlying problem? I tend to encourage to make observations instead of like pointed questions. It's like, I think we mentioned earlier about like children changing their behaviors, like discussing like, oh, you used to really love going to soccer and now you suddenly don't. What's going on? Instead of making it like their fault or make them feel guilty and I think the other part is I always encourage parents to check in because it, it gets kind of, if you make it a, a standard practice, right? Like, oh, we're going to check in on how you're feeling, you know, every so often. It, it has less, it feels less like they're in trouble. It feels less like it's like they're on the spot. Like, oh, you know, how, how things are going? Let's check in. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling bad? Those kind of, I encourage that a lot. It's important to talk about situations that happen. You know, if, if for example, there was a death in the family, I think it's important for, for families to talk about it and to ask their kid and, you know, how they're feeling and also for them to express that themselves. You know, this was a really hard week for our family. Um, we've never gone through this before. Um, and give them that space, right, to, to talk about things if they want to. Um, a lot of times children don't have the vocabulary, right, so we need to teach them how to express themselves, how to um, identify and express those emotions. We see development, and we often can really see physical development as our children grow um, around this. But one of the probably underappreciated is, you know, development in that mental health space and development of personality and things. So how does mental health change as a child is progressing into teenage years and beyond? And how much of some of these behaviors may be that development versus a larger underlying issue that needs to be addressed? Well, you know, as you mentioned, like personality develops throughout the years. And I usually tell parents, your kid is trying to figure out who he or she or they are. And you need to give them the space to do that as long as they're safe. What they like today might not be something they like three years from now. And uh, it, it's important to accept, you know, as long as they're being safe. Again, safety is number one. Kids are going to experiment and we need to be mindful of that and careful because that can also have um, serious consequences in the future because their brain is still developing. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make lots of mistakes. And um, it's important to have limits and consequences, but also give them that space to grow into the person they want to be. Um, not the person you want them to be. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about mental health in children and teens and what their parents can do to help their children. You know, as we've been talking about this, what has changed over the years in the care of mental health and mental health conditions in children? Certainly, you know, we've seen lots of advances and there's been lots of advances in this space as well around that. So what are some of those new and exciting things that are, you know, in this space today? Um, I think we're, we're fine-tuning different types of therapy. I think we're, we're making a lot of progress in trauma and identifying trauma. I think as far as mental health, I think from my perspective, the, the best thing or, that we've seen over the years is um, I think little by little we're, we're um, taking away that stigma 
and we're being more open as far as talking about mental health. And I think that's what's going to lead us to great treatment. We have medications that work very well. We um, have different types of therapy. Uh, I think there's there's also other, you know, I think there's ECT, which a lot of people are familiar with, um, but there's also TMS, and which is uh, recently been, you know, being used in, in children and adolescents with severe depression. Uh, so there's some exciting things, but I think the main thing is that we've been more open about talking about mental health. Are there certain things that are easier now today for children than they used to be in the past? I think talking about mental health is a lot easier because they're seeing it everywhere. Uh, you know, social media is a double-edged sword, but at the same time, I think it's given it's a it's an amazing platform that can be used um, to uh, promote right good information to get that information out there. I think adolescents are uh, are you know that's their world, right? It is. It's part of their everyday life, and they need to use it responsibly, but I think it's also a way of them, you know, knowing that it's okay if you're having these feelings and that it's okay to ask for help because there's a lot of, I would say, great influencers out there that are talking about mental health and are, um, and their, you know, their own personal struggles and, and um, reaching, saying that it's okay to reach out and ask for help. And I think adults being trained on yes. identifying that and also uh, being mandated reporters, adults are mm -hmm. expected to know certain things. So I think that that has been really helpful because I work with adults a, a lot and you know some of them have been abused as children and no one reported even though they knew because it wasn't their job. And I think that now that everybody knows that it, it takes a village and we're going to all report it, that uh, it's reported more widely, and I think children are getting more help quicker than probably before. Before, for sure. Yeah. You know, you mentioned social media, which I think you're right is a double-edged sword um, around this. Certainly, there's many positive things as well, but um, that go along with this, as well as some of the not so bad things. Are there other stressors that are present today outside of social media that you know may be more challenging for our children than it was for us as we were growing up? I think the ability to compare our lives to other people is so much easier now. I mean. You know, when I was a kid, it was like watching TV, and at some level, I realized that they were celebrities, and so like that was not a, maybe a possibility. But when I can see my peers and you know see people that are closer to me doing all these fabulous things, and here I'm at home, you know, watching TV, doing nothing, it's really easy to compare. And I think that for teenagers, especially or, or children as a whole, I think that experience of just constant comparison with people is really hard and they feel like their life is incomplete because they're not living this like fabulous life. You know, as we're ending our time here together, um, what are three things that parents can do to take action for their children's mental health? Well, I wrote down three <laughs> and they're all, they all start with the letter E, which was encourage, empower, and empathize. So I think the empathy piece is the part that adults might struggle with the most because we have like this, um, collective amnesia when it comes to being a teenager that we forgot and so that you know we don't empathize with their situation as easily so I think that's the one that I would say and I think it, it also if you're a parent and you're worried about your child and you you know you're you have any concerns about them please reach out to a mental health professional um, reach out to their pediatrician 
to their family care provider, let them know. Sometimes it's easier to have a professional, you know, come in and ask some, some questions, right? So we're available and if you need us, we're, we're there and we'll get you the resources that you need. Thank you both so much for your time today. It was wonderful discussion about how we can identify and help, you know, into our children um, as they're going through some of these mental health issues. If you've missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all of our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you. And we'll talk again soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.